Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody. As we continue with the fun August content, RJ and I today are going to be debating the best Weezer album. Now, I think it's Pinkerton. What about you, RJ? Are you going with one of the color releases? Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's That's got to be the best. Yeah, I have no idea why I decided to do that as a cold open today. Uh, it came to me last night, actually, and I just I liked the idea, and we'll call it a very, very, very late birthday present uh, for our friend Jimmy, talking about Weezer on one of the podcasts. Uh, but it is Pinkerton. I am serious, everybody. Uh, let us know down in the comments below, as always. Um, Real stuff, though, this is going to be a fantastic episode of The Deep Dive. We've got lots of fun stuff to talk about today. Um, AHL stuff that we're going to get into, that's that's going to be very, very exciting. Lots of fun cracking stuff, including a new coaching hire, some news about those reverse retro jerseys, and then also, you know, you were able to be part of media availability for some of the latest cracking, so we can kind of get, you know, low down on that. And then finally, we're going to finish it off with a deep dive into summer vacation essentially. Uh, we're going to look at the article the Kraken released about, you know, basically their summer review, catching up with all the players on what they've been doing over summer, and then give our thoughts on what we would do uh, if we were NHL players and, and had that month to go vacation. Um, but first, RJ, I think we need to start with a very fun and important announcement, and that is uh, about a, a, a really awesome game coming to Climate Pledge Arena soon. Yes, so Climate Pledge Arena will host uh, the Women's Hockey Rivalry Series November 20th. Uh, now, that is a kind of rivalry series they've been doing for years between USA Women's Hockey and Canada Women's Hockey. And uh, it's technically a, you know, a friendly, as you'd call it in soccer, but there is nothing friendly about it. Uh, I had the privilege of going to one in San Jose a few years back. And wow, it was one of the best hockey games I've seen. The rivalry is intense. Anyone who's watched USA versus Canada women's hockey knows uh, just how high the stakes are whenever they play each other. You know, no matter if it's a tournament, it's something like this. It's just always great. You know, tickets start, I believe, at $25 plus fees. And I firmly believe it is the best bang for your buck that you can get if you're going to go watch a hockey game. So... Highly would recommend going if you can. November 20th, Climate Pledge Arena. I will be there. I snagged some tickets as soon as they went on sale because I was not going to miss that. Um, yeah, no, it should be really fun. Yeah, I mean, these games are always a blast to watch. Uh, I, I haven't been fortunate enough to be the one in person. I could only imagine what the atmosphere is like, but just watching them on TV for years now, these two you know organizations going against each other, and it is just every single time. It is it is the, like some of the best hockey that you'll see, whether it's, you know, a world championship, an Olympics, whatever it is like. It is just so solid. The rivalry is so fierce through multiple generations of players now. And it is like never let up like it is just one of the most special things in all of hockey that we have. So really happy that, um, you know, people in the Seattle area are going to have the opportunity to go and see that. I think that's really, really fun and important. Um, all right. Now for the for arguably the next biggest piece of news. I mean, this could be the biggest piece of news all season as it relates to the Kraken RJ, and that is a mascot reveal. And, and yes, and yes, it didn't happen with the Kraken, but you know what? I will take a mascot reveal where we can get one at this point. <laughs> and um, not a, we didn't get a bad one either, as as Fuego was introduced as the mascot for the Firebirds. Yes, we finally have a mascot reveal in the Kraken organization here. Uh, Fuego. Oh, I love the name, by the way. Yes. Let's start with that. Perfect. You know, he's he's a firebird, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's what he's you know kind of meant to be. Um, is the mascot for the Coachella Valley Firebirds? I mean, Dylan, what do you think about? I mean, the idea of him being a firebird. You know, I feel like on on one hand, they didn't necessarily like take any huge risks as far as going like way out of the box with the mascot. But I think if you're going with this idea, they executed on it about as well as you possibly can. Exactly. I've always been a fan of like the bird-based mascots because of the fun you can do with the feathers and stuff. Like, I think it adds like a different dimension than like certainly the ones that are just like a big-headed version of like a person. 
Like those I've I've always felt are, are kind of lazy. So I've always liked the animal ones first and foremost. I like the bird ones because especially in hockey, you don't really get a lot of them uh, either. So I, I'm, I'm appreciative of that. But I just think it's awesome. The design is awesome. The colors are like so vibrant and really pop. And, and it looks so good contrast with the jersey too that he's wearing. Like that's been fantastic. The logo that they use to introduce introduce him like the font and everything I, I put it out there i was like that's at least better than like 13 nhl teams out there as far as like font logo design everything involved you know what i mean um he he looks legit this looks like an nhl level mascot um just conceptually everything all the way down the board super super into it and i already like the some of the stuff that they've been doing with him like did you see the twitter mm -hmm. video where the guy like needs a napkin or whatever and it goes and rips like, the shirt off rips yep. the shirt off but like the shirt you know obviously they like cut it and it was designed to rip off or whatever but like it doesn't go according to plan it doesn't rip all the way so he just starts going to town on this <laughs> on this poor guy and he's, he just rips him off the chair as he's trying to rip the shirt and everything and you just gotta love like how into it everybody involved was with that and and how into it he was like I, i'm just super super excited for all the stuff they get to do with him Agreed. He's got a personality, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, kind of learning that as things go along. And you're right. This is an NHL level mascot, I think. Mm -hmm. It's it's like watching the AHL with players. Certain ones you see like, okay, yeah, this guy's good enough for a call-up. I, I think you can say that about Fuego for sure. And one more thing we gotta talk about, the shoes. Yes. Like those are some pretty sweet kicks he's got. Yes. I'm not like a sneakerhead person, so I, I, I don't feel like I can like go into it too too in depth or anything. <laughs> But again, it just it adds to it. And that's like one of those little extra touches that you would expect on like a, an NHL level mascot or, or you know one of the major sports, but maybe not a minor league mascot as like they don't necessarily have the, the budget or the design detail or, you know, everything that goes into it. But to have that, like that's just one of those things that kind of like, you know, ascends him to the top of the AHL uh, pillar of mascots, if there is such a thing. <laughs> Um, all right. So everybody loves Swago. Super excited. I'd love to get like a little, a little plush of him or something for, for up here. Oh, that'd these, be awesome. I got yeah. these I'll, like I'll... floating shelves. I'd love to get him up, up here on one of them. He can join the, the Pokemon I've got. <laughs> um, and the place we've eventually set aside for a Kraken mascot one day. Yes, exactly. This, this place that is just covered in dust <laughs> on my <laughs> shelf. Um, all right, but he was not the only aspect of AHL news that we had from the Firebirds this past week. So why don't we go ahead and talk about the, the other AHL news, RJ? Right. So this one's a little bit odd. Um, Samuel Buchik, who uh, you may remember, there was a report that he would sign with the Kraken a couple months ago. Then that report was kind of denied by the team. Turns out he actually signed a, an AHL contract right on the eve of development camp. Um, he missed all but the last day of development camp, I believe, with some kind of uh, you know shoulder injury. Maybe he was working his way back from. Didn't quite go 100% on that last day. Looked like probably injury was the cause, but just was kind of an odd situation from the start. Uh, so some news with him. Uh, he will not be playing for the Firebirds this season. He uh, signed a contract in the KHL. Uh, do I dare try and say this? <laughs> you know, Neftechimic HC. So um, anyway, signed a contract in the KHL. And all I have to go off really is, is Google uh, Translate from, uh, you know, a, a reporter, uh, Tomasz Prokop. So uh, just you know, bear with me there. But it sounds like uh, the contract was terminated, uh, his AHL contract. So then he'd be free to go sign with, you know, whatever other team he wanted. I have to imagine this is probably a mutual contract termination, as these things usually are. Basically, how that works is... You know, if a player maybe feels that a team isn't the best fit, it, it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Uh, the player and the team can agree to mutually terminate that contract, um, which I would imagine the Firebirds, you know, if the player wanted out, you don't want to keep anyone who doesn't want to be there. Um, so they probably mutually agree to terminate the contract, at which point he's just a free agent, can sign anywhere. Um, so we got some questions on basically how that works. That's how it goes. Um, no, the Kraken don't retain his rights or anything with that, um, nor do the Firebirds. So if, if his K once his KHL contract is up, he just becomes a free agent again. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the situation there. But best of luck uh, to Samuel Buchek in Russia. Yeah, no, I you know, hope hope he can find, you know, what he's looking for playing wise there. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the situation, like you said, it started off kind of weird. I always just assumed it was like maybe a translation or a language issue. Like, because you are kind of in a way signing a deal with the Kraken, sort of, and that you're signing with the affiliate yeah. of that. Like, it's, I get it. I get that it's kind of a messy situation and stuff. And um, yeah, just, just hope he finds what he's looking for and has a good season this year. Um, all right. So speaking of the Kraken, let's move into all the Kraken news that we have to cover this week. I think we should go ahead and though and start with the most recent recent coaching staff hire, um, because I, I'm I'm really excited about this, RJ. I, I really think this is going to help out the team a lot this year. I am too. And it's something we kind of noticed that maybe there was a little something, you know, lacking behind the bench just as a group last season. Um, experience was a factor that was kind of highlighted in, in the article the Kraken put out and maybe wanting someone with a little bit more NHL experience there. But I think, you know, maybe the the coaching staff could have been a little bit more well-rounded. And I think that's probably what Lowry is going to bring. Um when this hire happened, my first question was, okay, like, what's he going to do? Where's his, what's his role going to be? Because we know that they already have Jay Leach on staff as an assistant coach who kind of works with the defensemen. We know the Kraken already have Paul McFarland who works with the forwards. So where does Lowry fit in? And, um, you know, we got an answer from that, uh, from the Seattle times, Jeff Baker put out an article, got the kind of the scoop on that. Um, so I'll, I'll just read this quote basically about what Lowry's role is going to be. Uh, it was exactly what I was doing when I went to Winnipeg, Lowry said Monday. When I went to Winnipeg, they had their head coach, Paul Maurice. They had Charlie Huddy, who worked with the defensemen, and they had Jamie Compon, who worked with the forwards. And I kind of floated in between. On the bench, I would watch forwards, I would watch the defensemen, and I would offer suggestions. I would go through different players during the course of the game, and that was exactly what Dave Haxtall was looking for. It was something I was comfortable doing, and I looked forward to the opportunity of doing it in Seattle. Yeah, so uh, that really excites me. I, I'm going to go ahead and I probably should have done this before throwing it over to you, but we'll just real quick like introduce it's Dave Lowry's his name. Oh yeah, good idea. <laughs> we'll do that. Uh, most recently, he was the interim coach of the Winnipeg Jets. He took over when Paul Maurice left um, early on last season and finished the season with Winnipeg last year. Um, we'll talk about that. He was a player back in the day, played 19 seasons, I believe. So a long time player, um, been a WHL coach for several teams along the way, and then had, uh, assistant coaching stints, not just in Winnipeg, but I believe also with, uh, the flames and Kings. Kings. Thank you. That's right. Um, yeah, so I, I'm really intrigued by that because my first question was, where does he fit in? And I was kind of looking for stuff. And then, yes, a good article from Seattle Times there about that, because I do think that that's what the Kraken were missing was was someone else who could, you know, essentially just be an extra set of eyes, an extra set of, you know, hey, I noticed you're doing this, you know, that could walk up to a player during a game situation, not watching film later, the next day, all that kind of stuff. But while the player is still in it and say, hey, I've noticed a couple times entering the zone, you're doing this, or hey, a couple times this guy is beating you coming back this way, or maybe with, with this guy is deceptively fast, let's start those transitions earlier if you're a defenseman, something like that, right? And I feel like the Kraken really missed that last year because as you talked about, you've got Leach working with the defenseman, kind of kind of keep track of that group as a whole, can't necessarily zero in on the little things when you're doing that. Same with McFarland with the forwards. Hackstall's got to just keep track of like managing the game in its entirety, rolling lines, all that stuff. So certainly he can't be involved in it. So I feel like that's a really important thing. And then um, just having more voices around. Like I, I do think that the, that the Kraken coaching staff was was just missing some of that like we've seen some some teams like there isn't really a limit on how many people you can have around right like Toronto's got like seven assistant coaches it feels like at any given <laughs> time you know what I mean like they just bring in all these people and I do think having another experienced voice someone who's experienced as a player someone who went through an expansion process as a player with the Florida Panthers way back in the day um, I think that's important. I think just having someone who's been around and, and filled different roles when coaching, whether it's been head coaching at a WHL level or the NHL level, like I just think that this adds so much to the Kraken and what they're going to be able to get out of their players and their players' ability to, you know, 
learn and grow during game settings, I think is just the big one. I'm going to keep coming back to that. But I think that that is something that was desperately missed last year. We saw lots of times, you know, if the Kraken started well, another team was going to adjust. And then there wasn't that like comeback adjustment for the third period from the Kraken. You know what I mean? Having someone else who can keep tabs on things and maybe pick up on those things, think about something to develop, you know what I mean? During intermissions, all that kind of stuff, I think is going to help them. And it was something that they didn't really have last year or in the games where the Kraken just didn't start. They were never really <laughs> able to come up with some sort of new thing to go with uh, later on. So um, I'm excited for this. I think it's going to bring a lot to the organization. It's going to bring a lot to the on-ice product, which is ultimately what he's there for. And I'm really excited about Exactly. I'm glad you brought up in-game adjustments because that's just something we talked about over and over. If you watched the uh, the post-game lives with us last season, that was one of the things we kept harping on all season is in-game adjustments, in-game adjustments. And it is really hard when you have you know, just the two assistant coaches. One's got to focus on that group of 12 forwards. You know, the one's got to focus on 6D. It's tough to kind of get into the little details there. And that's where I think Lowry's going to do really well. I'm looking forward to, you know, being up in the press box and, and kind of watching where he goes on the bench kind of how he uh, you know will will kind of rove between the different groups and, and who he'll talk to I think that'll uh, provide some really uh, good insight you know as, as far as what they're thinking adjustments mid-game is something I'm certainly going to be watching for uh, as the season gets underway as far as you know what he's doing during the game um, yeah I'm I just really excited about this and and just to bring someone with that much experience too who was you know basically a head coach in the NHL as recently as last season uh, just great to have another voice like that on staff right and you and i know just from watching hockey or or from being coaches ourselves albeit at a much different level mm. uh, than, yes, than we're talking different. about here there are plenty of times where you will like for whatever reason when you're watching a game you'll just kind of zero in on somebody and you'll you'll mm-hmm. notice stuff now maybe it's they're drawing your your focus because they're they're doing something that they shouldn't or there's something going on but a lot of times when watching hockey especially just cuz it's you know it's an 82 game season you've watched it your whole life kind of thing like you'll you'll just zero in on people and and i think having kind of a coach that that can have the ability to just zero in on whoever they're going to zero in on that day and then go and work with them on that individual level instead of having to say you know like, oh, wow, their defense is really you know aggressively defending the blue line. Let's all focus on entering the zone this way. You know, the way like a mm-hmm. McFarlane would have to work with a group of forwards. Having somebody who can just go, hey, I noticed that you're doing this a lot. Let's let's maybe try doing something like this. Or, hey, that's really working. It caught him off guard, and I don't think they're going to be able to prepare for it. Let's let's try that again kind of thing, you know? I think having yeah. that ability is, is something really valuable, and I think it is something that they missed because – like I said, that's that's something we pick up on watching hockey. It's it's there. And if you don't have someone who can take the time to communicate with the players like that, it's just a right. missed opportunity. Yeah, and again, at a very different level, but I think we experienced that firsthand. Like when we were coaching together, mm-hmm. you know, you were able to, I mean, that was kind of more your thing. You were able to go in and, and work with the player individually and, you know, oh no, we're shorthanded. What penalty kill unit are we running? If there's so much going on during the game, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to like handle that sort of thing, you know, versus when we were coaching apart, you, you it's just too much to handle everything. And at the NHL level, there's so much more to handle yes. too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited by this. Like I'm surprised how excited I am by this, but it was really, it was <laughs> that news that that was going to be his role on the team that got me excited because as someone who's, you know, like you said, kind of been in that situation, right? We've been in that situation. I know how important that can be. And I know that that's going to make a big difference on this team this year as as so far as being something they were lacking last year. And I do think that that impacted their ability to make adjustments and all that kind of stuff last year. So really, really excited by it. I want to welcome Dave Lowry to the Kraken family, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, should be, should be good. Really, really pumped for that one. Um, okay. So now let's, let's move into the other new additions to the Kraken family. We talked about, uh, almost all of these guys last week, the new players involved in everything. I think the big thing was, is we talked about all the Jersey numbers and all the, you know, everything last week, there was a name that was left out of that. Oliver Bjorkstrand. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have an answer now on the Jersey number for Oliver Bjorkstrand. So before we get into his media availability and everything, RJ, why don't you just fill us in on the story of discovering what Oliver Bjorkstrand's <laughs> number is going to be. Yes. Yeah, so um, Oliver Bjorkstrand uh, posted on Instagram, on his Instagram story, uh, 
a, a picture of his dog, adorable dog, by the way. Mm -hmm. Great dog. He's, he's, I think, a few pictures already with the dog and Kraken things. So that's awesome. And then his hockey bag. And his hockey bag had the number 22 on it. Uh, so left us kind of wondering, hey, is that the number that he's going to wear with the Kraken? Um, and so was wondering that. Reached out to, to you know, maybe, maybe my usual jersey number source there. Uh, you know, he didn't have anything concrete. So I decided to just reach out to uh, to Oliver on Instagram. Just feel like, hey, you know, we're, we're a local media outlet. You know, I see that number 22 on the bag. Is that the number you're wearing with the Kraken? And he was super nice. He got back to us and, and you know, confirmed, yes, that's the number he'll be wearing. Um, so, like... You know, how, how great is that, too? Like, he didn't have to respond. You know, you know, we're just a local media outlet. He's, you know, he's, I'm sure, busy doing his own thing. It's his summer. Uh, but he was kind enough to get back to us, confirm that he will, in fact, wear number 22 this season. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting. I don't think he's worn that number before uh, in any kind of, you know, junior or, or pro level. Because uh, I know he wore number 28 with the, with the Blue Jackets. He wore number 27 in Portland with the Winterhawks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have anything of him wearing 22 before? Not that I can see. Now, 28, of course, is taken by Carson Soucy. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so 28 probably wasn't really an option. Uh, 27 isn't taken by anyone. Yeah. So interesting there. But, you know, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he always wanted 28 and 28 wasn't available in Portland. So he had to go with 27. Um, yeah, I, I'm not seeing anything about it number wise or anything so right, maybe it's something we can ask him during training camp yeah yeah no i think it'll be fun if he if he was just assigned it if he chose it all that kind of stuff but um you know just excited excited he took the time to to get back to us that everything confirm yep. it and uh super pumped yeah and it's consistent with everything we've like heard about him you know it, all the columbus media has you know is pretty upset that he's you know that he's leaving i think uh you know they're very happy to have him around in columbus for the time that they had him i mean it's just and been good reviews from everyone on all accounts and uh, excited to have him in Seattle. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's the number of power play goals he's going to score this year. I would like 22 just on the power play. That's yeah. uh, that'd be pretty impressive. I mean, I, I don't want to limit him to only 22 in the regular season. So right. Power he's been scoring at a higher pace than that. It's no, either, it's either that, that or playoff goals, but I think that might be a little too optimistic yeah. <laughs> I mean, the one thing i was thinking as i saw it on the bag as far as a possible explanation for like what it could be other than his numbers like it is 2022 maybe they just sent him a generic one with like the year on it or something you know how the draft pictures yeah. always have the year on it maybe yeah. that's what it was um but it's it's the year I, that he came to seattle yeah i thought because that was that was appleton's number right Yes, that was Mason. Yeah. Maybe he's just a big Mason Appleton fan. Well, there, there is that aspect. I thought it was like, oh, well, maybe that, that was just the bag they had lying around that, like, they could send. Them, <laughs> they just like, gave the, it Mason Appleton's used bag. hockey bag. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we. Oh, come on! The, the Kraken are better than that. I was gonna say, if it was a trade deadline like type deal, I could see that. Like we've seen stuff yeah. like that before, actually. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, generally like a you know off season thing. They're they're better than that. Agreed, agreed. But that was the first thing that popped into my head was, well, it's either he's wearing twenty two or they just that was the only bag they had left over was Appleton's. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. I could see that maybe as a trade deadline thing. I mean, hey, equipment management is hard. That is a hard job, mm -hmm. getting everything ready to go for everyone. Well, and, um, and, yeah, and we know, you know, trade deadline stuff, like we just saw it this past year. I think Ricard Raquel was the best example of it, of like, you know, you're just trying to get to that new city and you've got to bring all this equipment with you. And it's like a freaking nightmare for these players to try to deal with because <laughs> like they're they're just on their own and dealing with it. Like you're getting on a plane, right. your equipment's getting on that same plane with you, your sticks, all that stuff. Like you just have to go with it. So and airlines don't necessarily like see this every day on all their flights, no. all this hockey equipment. Yeah. So I, I could I could see like in a deadline setting where it was like, OK, he needs an equipment bag like this is just what we have. Just give it to him kind of thing. But but yeah, probably wasn't going to happen during the offseason um but why don't we go ahead and talk about um you know we can talk about him more and and the other new additions to the kraken why don't you go ahead and and give us you know fill us in on the media availability you were able to do with them all 
Right. So last week, uh, we got a media availability with Oliver Bjorkstrand, uh, Michael Kempney, and Martin Jones. So three of the new Kraken additions. Uh, that was really fun because it's the first time we got to hear from them since joining the Kraken. Uh, of course, they were probably all busy on vacation. You know how, how July and August is with, with hockey players over the summer, but they were kind enough to take some time to speak with the media, um, which uh, was, was great to hear from them. So we'll start with Oliver Bjorkstrand because we've been talking about him. Um, and, and first off, just, you know, he's fun to talk to. He gave good answers, like happy to have him on the team. Uh, I, I liked his story about kind of how he found out about the trade. It was something that, you know, was was hinted at a little bit with the reporting at the time. But yeah, he found out about the trade on his honeymoon out in the bush in South Africa uh, as he was getting calls. So, yeah, he got married less than a week before mm -hmm. the trade happened. So, uh, you know, what a whirlwind of a week, you know, going from your wedding to your honeymoon, uh, you know, out on safari in South Africa, and then all of a sudden you hear that you get traded. So, um, you know, it seems like he's, he's a pretty smart guy. He, he said that, yeah, he started getting some calls and kind of figured what those calls might be about. Um, so, you know, it, maybe it wasn't a, a total surprise to him, at least. I mean, we kind of saw the writing on the wall as soon as Johnny Gaudreau signed there. Someone had to move. Um, so that, that was kind of the idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, just on safari, <laughs> yeah. getting that news on your honeymoon, it's it's got to be tough to try and maybe shut that out a little bit, just enjoy, you know, the moment, not think about it too much. And I also want to shout out uh, Erica Ayala from Lockdown Kraken. Uh, she threw some Zulu and Afrikaans into the presser, uh, which I thought was cool. I just started hearing them like, whoa, nice. Because yeah. uh, she was asking about, you know, why he chose South Africa for the honeymoon and everything. So just thought that was cool. Um, as for other stuff with Bjorkstrand, I, I think, you know, he, he really did love Columbus because there was there was a, a Columbus reporter or two talking to him about, you know, his time in the city. And I, I think he really did have a connection there. I mean, you know, he signed, what, a five year deal to stay in Columbus. And, you know, I, I got the sense that, you know, part of him certainly didn't want to leave, as is natural. Right. But I think hearing him talk about his connection to that city and how much he embraced being a part of that community. I think it's going to really work well for him here. I think he's going to love it here. And I think he'll probably embrace it in the same way once he gets to Seattle and sees certainly how loved he's going to be by, by the fans, by everybody here. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, we, we know firsthand, right? Like how welcoming this community can be and everything. And so really excited for him to really get to, you know, experience all that in person. And I'm sure he's already been experiencing it on social media plenty. Um, yeah. And then as far as everything else, the the wedding thing was the first thing I thought of when they then when the trade happened, because you go to his social media stuff and it's like, that's all his last stuff was like, oh, yeah, I was so excited to be married. Uh, uh, you know, all that fun stuff. And you're just like and then you look at the date and you're just like, oh, like mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a that's a wedding present, I guess. <laughs> Congrats. Now move, yeah. you know, across the country. <laughs> like, um, yeah. that being said, I do think that this was something that was kind of floated around. We know, you know, like you mentioned, the Goudreau signing meant someone was going to have to leave. His name had been talked about as insofar as being that person that was going to have to leave. I got to think that, you know, Yarmo's a pretty stand up guy in Columbus there. My guess is he was you know, in contact with at least Bjorkstrand's agent through everything. Yeah. And then, you know, his agent could feed him uh, if he wanted to know things beforehand or not. Like, you know, it's possible he might have just told his agent, look, deal with it. And then if it happens, let me know. But otherwise, I'm just going to go enjoy the honeymoon kind of thing. You never know. Um, but I, 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 my guess is that there was for sure communication involved before the actual trade happened. Like, hey, we're involved in mm -hmm. talks and you are part of those talks kind of things because that's that's generally how GMs want to handle this stuff. They want to keep those good relationships going. There's no, it doesn't hurt you not to do that. You know, it's not like you're leaking <laughs> it to the media that would hurt you as far as like a leverage ability or whatever, or someone else could, could, could know, but to communicate with the player, it, it doesn't really hurt you at all to do that. It's, it's just a nice thing to do. And generally people are nice. Um, so that was the big thing, but otherwise, yeah, super excited to have him back around. I remember him briefly from Portland. Like I never had any communication with the players and stuff in Portland. Cause I was mm -hmm. always just down here in California. Um, but he was, he was, you know, arguably our best player during some of those years I was working with them. And, uh, yeah, so I, I was always paying attention to the media stuff. And even back then, like you can tell this guy just gets it. He's a good person, happy person. That's always important and fun to be around and, uh, super stoked to have him with the Kraken. 
Yeah, and and you could tell that too, just from the way the Columbus media was talking about. It. Also from Yarmo's side in his interviews mm-hmm. too, talking about this is the toughest decision I've ever had to make as a GM was to trade this guy away. So hey, I mean that's a good sign for for if you're the player, uh, the team getting the player. It wasn't Pierre Luc Dubois. What? <laughs> Guess not. Oh man, you're, you're never gonna let that trade go, PR, yeah. It, was, it was, um, yeah, no. Um, all right, but you you got to hear from more than just uh, York Strands. Why don't you fill us in on some of the other new Kraken? Yeah. So next, uh, we'll talk about Martin Jones. Now, I, I we've talked about Martin Jones. You know, coming in as the Kraken's you know new backup Spe- goalie. Speaking of not uh, letting you live things down, RJ. <laughs> Martin yeah, perfect Jones. transition. Let's go. Yeah, I figured that that would be best. Um, so we got to talk to Martin Jones, and I, I thought about this a lot too because I followed him for a long time. You know, with the, you know, as being a Sharks fan and everything, and I was like, okay, what what questions do I have? What do I really want to know here about Martin Jones coming to the Kraken? And I and I kind of settled in on two things that I really wanted to know. One. Have you talked to the coaching staff for Philip, like kind of about your workload, what your role is going to be, you know, what kind of what's the communication there? What What's your role going to be this season? Because it's still a little bit unknown. And then number two, what have you been working on? Because that's the number one thing with any goalie. I think any goalie is always looking to improve their craft. And, and especially, you know, with Martin Jones, he's had a few down seasons. What are you working on to try and get better? So on the first question, he hasn't really spoken with Philip. He checked in with Steve Breer, the goalie coach, a couple times. Sounds like he won't really get everything going until training camp, which is normal. You know, I, I wasn't expecting something all that different. Um, but yeah, sounds like we don't really know fully what the role is going to be at this point. It's something we're going to have to monitor going forward. And, and on the second question of kind of what he's been working on, he didn't give away too much. Basically, he didn't give away too much, but I'll, I'll say maybe the answer didn't instill me with a ton of confidence. Um, here, here's the quote uh, you know, about what he's working on. I'm not going to get too much. I'm not going to get into too much detail about that, but there's stuff I've been working on the last few years, some structural stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's some structural stuff that he's, he's been working on over the last few years, I guess. Um, help me out, Dylan. Yeah, I know. It's, I'm like trying to think of a good way of like, you know, trying to read between the lines of like, well, what he meant was this, then it's not that bad, but like, it's, it's a rough quote for sure because you know, I mean, the the obvious thing is you've been working on it for years and you're still working on it. And this isn't like him talking about like, oh, just being, you know, a better person or the relationship with his significant other or something where it's one of these things that you work on your entire life. Right. Like, you know what I mean? We're always growing and changing as people and working on these idiosyncrasies of ourselves or whatever. No, this is structural, uh, which is fairly important for for a goaltender. And it's something that you've been working on for years. So. I I get the the lack of confidence that that one might have after hearing that quote. That being said, I don't have a problem with him not mentioning what it is because, like, you don't want to give away the book on you right away, especially as oh, a, absolutely, especially yeah. as a backup goaltender who's not going to be in there night in night out. Like it, it takes a little longer for the for teams around the league to learn that book on you. So if he is going to be making changes as he comes to the Kraken. Definitely don't want anything given away yet. Uh, let let teams do their homework and try to figure that out on their own. And and you know, hopefully they. In some cases, I've seen with backups when the backups really don't play a lot, you can't even really do it in the course of a season. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's. Uh, I mean, we've known he struggled. <laughs> like the struggles have been there for everyone to see now, kind of in multiple spots. Right. And, and it's it's tough as a goalie, too, when you, you kind of have to be reinventing things. And, you know, it's, so much of the game is mental, too. Mm-hmm. And when you're going from one destination to another to another, you know, this is third team in three seasons, uh, you know, that can be difficult, too, especially, you know, working with the different people that you're playing behind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's a, it's difficult, too. And, and I want to be clear, too. I want him to succeed yeah. as, as much as, you know, it's, it's kind of had this negative sounding tone around, you know, Martin Jones since he came here. I want him to succeed. I think that he has everything possible to succeed i I saw the best of you know of what he can do in 2016 at times in 2019 i mean he can be a fantastic goalie that can steal you games when he's on top of his game Mm -hmm. so i i want him to get back to that and i'm sure he does too and he's going to work very hard to get there yeah now here's a question i have for you and i just thought of it so apologies for like putting you on the spot okay do you you think being paired with grubauer is going to help him do that 
because you know at you Grubauer very fundamentally sound guy structurally sound is what we would you know call him and you know he likes to play his angles likes to be conservative as far as movement in the crease all that stuff and I do feel like when Martin Jones has been at the top of his game it was those times for him when he was very just like on it and he was square to the puck and he was able just to shut things down and you could not beat him low to save your life and all of those things. And when he lost, it was when he was starting to get a little bit more, you know, aggressive or he was starting to move around too much and he'd get pulled out of position, those kinds of things. So do you think having somebody like Grubauer to be paired with, not only does it help from like a coaching standpoint, because as a goalie goaltending coach, you could just focus on the one thing for both guys. You're not kind of split. Like maybe last year you were with Grubauer and, and, and Drieger, where it's like two d- completely different styles of goaltender. Um, so do you think it's going to help Martin Jones being in that environment with somebody else like that? That's a great question. I, I think it will. Uh, looking at Grubauer and Martin Jones, how they both play, you're right. It's similar styles. And and having watched, you know, a lot of Grubauer last season, you know, the good and the bad, and having watched a lot of Martin Jones, you know, for through four or five years, the good and the bad, it looks very similar in both regards when they're on their game and when they're not. Uh, and I think he could definitely learn and communicate with, with Philip Grubauer. And, and I know that Grubauer is the type of, you know, team friendly goalie. Yeah. He's, he's not there as, you know, to, to just compete and try and bury the guy that he's, he's <laughs> uh, working with in a goalie tandem. We saw that with him and Drieger last year, you know, they, they get along very well. I think that if Martin Jones kind of wants to learn from Philip, it's certainly there and, and they play a similar enough style that they can do that. It's not as easy, maybe, if you have like a Grubauer-Drieger tandem where they just, as as much as they're friendly with each other, they just play such different styles. It's it's yeah. hard to kind of pick things up. Um, but yeah, I think it could be very beneficial for him. And that's why I, I made sure to ask the question, hey, have you talked to Philip yet? Because mm-hmm. um, I know Grubauer has been around uh, the Seattle area this summer because he was even there at Dev Camp trying to get yeah. in work with Steve Friere right away. I mean, you can tell uh, how seriously Grubauer is taking this offseason and trying to get back to his top form. And so, you know, if Martin Jones can kind of hop on that and, and get into it just like Philip has been, uh, I think it could be really good for him. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited by that. Like I said, that's just something I just thought of, but I do think that that's going to be nice. Like you said, having them be able to talk to each other and give each other you know pointers of hey, I noticed this in practice today, or or even just when one's on the bench. You know what I mean? Watching the other one, like we talked about earlier with Dave Lowry being able to zero in on somebody. Backup goaltender. I mean, they got they got nothing to be paying attention to really, other than when to open that door. So <laughs> they could <laughs> they could really look at things. And and I do think that they're the kinds of guys they've they've both been around long enough, and they both seem like the kind of guys that would be able to. Hey, man, I notice you're you know you're dropping your glove a little bit here or whatever uh, during the course of a game, and, and can kind of help each other out. So excited for that. Uh, and then there was one more new member yes, of the Kraken. Uh... Yeah, I got to talk to uh, Michael Kempney. So he's a defenseman, uh, was with the Capitals for a little bit. He's had some injury trouble over the last couple seasons. I mean, he was a very productive blue liner for the Caps kind of around their their Stanley Cup run and everything. Um, but yeah, he's had some injury trouble. And, and that was, of course, you know, what a lot of the questions were about. Just, you know, what do you feel health wise? You know, what what uh, you know, what would a, a healthy season mean to you, basically? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he, you know, was saying that, he, you know, he feels better now. He's, he's ready to go back at it. Uh, and that, you know, he feels like he can be a productive NHL defenseman if he's if he's healthy. And I think, you know, he almost doesn't need to say that. We can all see it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we saw what he was able to do when he was healthy. Um, let's see. Not not a ton else there. He's he says he's excited to play with former teammates uh, again. You know, he was teammates with Andre Burakovsky and Justin Schultz on the Capitals during his time there. So he'll know a couple guys. Uh, he'll have some familiarity with them. I guess they'll all be new to the Kraken, really, this yes. season. So they'll kind of come in together and, and hopefully help each other out. So, uh, you know, good to talk to, to Michael Kempney for a bit. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what he's able to do uh, if he's able to kind of get that one of those last defense spots on the NHL roster because he's one of those guys. He's going to have a really important training camp. Can you earn a spot there on the roster? Right. And that's that was going to be kind of the question I was just going to pose to you is is do you think that that he will? I think he will. I This to me kind of screams of this will be the seventh guy, you mm-hmm. know, and, and maybe he'll maybe he'll work his way into a starting spot. Like, I don't want to you know say anything. I think there's going to be a good camp battle probably for that kind of six starting spot, probably between him and, and somebody like Will Borgen. Um yep. But I, I do think he probably, assuming he stays healthy, has kind of a leg up on a kale flurry. 
I, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, Will Bor- for that 60 spot, I think Will Borgen being the you know incumbent, yeah. so to speak, probably has a bit of an advantage, and he played mm-hmm. well. I liked what I saw from him. Agreed. Um, but yeah, Kepney probably going for that 7th D spot. Yeah, Kale Fleury, you know, uh, we, we saw flashes from him last season, but I think there's still some rounding out of the game that he needs to do. Uh, I think he could benefit maybe from a little bit more time in the AHL, especially, you know, with the Krakens affiliate. Now they have their own mm-hmm. AHL affiliate uh, that could really benefit him. We've talked about Riker Evans, maybe being someone to come up and, and take that job. But I think we want both want to see a little bit more yep. after dev camp. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I could see Kempney definitely fall into that seventh D spot and, all it takes is one injury and you're kind of in the rotation regularly. So I think there's plenty of opportunity for him there. And I think it's just a signing that makes sense for both sides. Yeah. Agreed. And I, and I think he's, you know, just kind of the perfect, you know, depth defenseman that the Kraken were missing at times last season. Somebody who can be like a stable presence, who's capable of at times playing, you know, decent amount of ice time. We're talking that his last real full healthy season, he was playing 19 minutes a night for Washington. Like that's that's not insignificant minutes right there, and uh, he was very effective with them. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to this. I think that just having another person around who can handle some of those responsibilities is going to be big for the Kraken as they try to rebound from um, you know some of the defensive lapses and craziness that they had going on as we just talked about you know them wanting to have two more structured goaltenders uh want to get want to be square to the puck all that kind of stuff if you can limit some of the shenanigans around their crease and and put them in better positions to succeed it's it's better all the way around it goes a long way (laughs) that is for sure um all right so kind of the last bit of like it's not really the last bit of news because we're going to talk about what everybody did over summer break but the last like like real thing of news here is the news about the well the the rumors I guess like I don't know that it's mm-hmm. real news I don't know <laughs> you you can you can label it what you want but the reverse retro jersey news <laughs> uh, yes. that that we kind of got as as a lot of these reverse retro jerseys they're leaking right like the teams aren't announcing them yet these are all leaks that we've been seeing yep from they're them. they're leaking for some teams yep. yeah so they they've been leaking for some teams as a whole I'm. I'm pretty down with it. I, I like a lot of these. I think it's like a fun idea um, to bring them back. It's, you know, as, as always with these, there are some real hits and some real misses. Um, but we, we were all curious about what the Kraken were going to do with this, because obviously it's not like there is a you know franchise history that you could really draw from, right? What are you going to do? Reverse <laughs> retro with an inaugural season patch? Like, whoa. <laughs> Reverse the colors on the inaugural season yeah, patch. You like, got it. There wasn't much you could do. So why don't you go ahead? Uh, we did get a little bit of, of rumor or news uh, about what the Kraken may be planning um, for their reverse retro jersey. So why don't you go ahead and fill everybody in? Yeah, got some good insight from Aesthetics. And I just want to say, Aesthetics always does great yes. work. I mean, he's always on it with the jersey stuff and you know when he, he does break something like, very reliable source there yep. uh you know knows his stuff and but he released a, a video uh talking about updates for uh you know islanders lightning jets sharks kraken and some other teams and of course the kraken were involved in that and there were kind of two bits of reverse retro update there for the kraken so the jersey didn't leak we don't know exactly what it's going to be uh but a couple interesting points here so the video said the jersey won't be based on the Seattle Metropolitans and added that he thought the team may be saving that for a, quote, very special occasion. So as uh, some some of our followers on Twitter have pointed out, maybe that means stadium series game. You know, that would be nice. Uh, also, I mean, the, the latest that I know on the Metropolitans brand and everything is that somebody else owns the rights to that. And I, I haven't heard anything to suggest that the Kraken have been able to to license that or own that. So maybe they're still waiting on that as well. I wasn't expecting it uh, for, for this reverse retro, but good to know it, it won't be the Metropolitans. And I think that's probably for the best. I think you'd want to save that for an actual like vintage third jersey rather than mm-hmm. a reverse retro. Um, and then the second bit of news is sources say it's based on a PCHL and WHL team from the forties and fifties. Now that team had a few different names over the years. So it's kind of hard to pin down where they're going with it. Uh, the names included the iron men, the bombers, the Americans and the totems. Of course, I, I know that one's uh, you know, quite well known and popular with people here. So hard to tell what direction they're actually going with it. A lot of different options. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, we'll, we'll see where they go. I, they have plenty to work with. I think, uh, certainly with, with that team following them around four team names, a bunch of different Jersey designs. Um, like, what do you, what do you think? Is there a direction you would go Dylan? I'm just curious your thoughts on all of this really. Yeah. So I, I, I in large part agree with you on the Metropolitans thing. Like I want that to be more of like a featured aspect of the Kraken every year. You know, we, we got the news that Adidas is looking to kind of get out of the NHL business. It sounds like now. <laughs> so I, I would hate for like this kind of really specific Adidas thing to get lost and it, and it be the Metropolitans, you know what I mean? Cause you know, first American team to win the Stanley cup, all that stuff. It's really important to this idea of, Hey, Seattle isn't new to hockey. We've got this really important heritage and everything. I want that to be a part of the Kraken's franchise for a very, very long time and to be a prominent part of their franchise. So I'm, I'm totally in favor of having the reverse retro be something else as far as which and what it should be. I'm partial to the totems thing. I'm looking right now just kind of at the different logos. Have you seen the Seattle Ironman logo, RJ? I have not. You need to go. I'm going to look this up right now. You need to go look this up. Um, The Seattle Ironmen, or as they were known, the bad men of the Pacific Coast. (laughs) It's already (laughs) one of the things there. It is um, adorable is probably the word I would use. It almost looks like a doodle bob gone wrong for the SpongeBob fans (laughs) out there. But that one's an an wow. option, I guess. I don't know. That I'm just trying to figure out what they were basing this off of. It predates Doodle Bob, I'm pretty sure. Yes, it does. I I mean, Iron Man was around the superhero, but I doubt it was that. Right. Um, yeah. So that you know comic stuff more than I do. Did yeah. Iron Man look like that at that time? Kind of. Yes, actually. <laughs> like. Okay, maybe that's way, what it was. Did, then. Actually. Um, uh, the Seattle Americans isn't much better. It's basically the same design, only they gave him like a big old school Captain America shield and a hockey stick. It's Uncle Sam. Um, it doesn't look great. I'm not gonna lie. That logo I don't think would look very good. Let me let me see the Seattle Bombers now. That's the that's the last one I need to I need to see as we do this on the fly as everybody enjoys this. But yeah. I mean, okay, I see the Uncle Sam with the shield and everything holding the <laughs> and the one stick. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Again, like, how would you update this? Like, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, would you update it? Or are you just going to use these really um, dated-looking logos, right? Because that's the, that's the bottom line, is that they, they right. look very dated and not in, like, a kind of classic way like some other teams. Exactly. And then also with the, you know, with the Americans' colors, with, like, kind of the red, white, and blue, like, how do you – I mean, I don't know, it just doesn't feel – like the cra- like colors the Kraken should, you know, the red, white, and blue yeah. scheme doesn't feel like Kraken. All right. So it doesn't look like the Bombers had like a specific logo. Okay. As I'm, as I'm looking at this, I'm not really seeing anything. I mean, there's, it, it was like a plane with the with two wings of the Bomber. You know, one says Seattle, one says um, Bombers. On bombers. It, yeah. Oh, okay. Here's one. It's like a B with the hockey stick as like the, the backing part of the B. Um, Oh no, that's the Breakers. Excuse me. Yeah, the Bombers didn't have a logo on their jersey. They were just green and like an ivory color, uh, and they just had their numbers. So, not much to work with there. I would assume. <laughs> no. Although yeah, I'd that say would maybe be, that's not what. It... That would be very vintage, like NFL look. You know, if you wanted oh, to go with it? that, yeah. it'd just have like numbers there. Um, so, I I don't know. I got to think it's they they got to go with something with the totems, right? Yeah, the the totems are. Did we? Yeah, the Americans. There was one jersey design. I think um, Aesthetics did a, a separate video where he kind of theorized what he thought they were going to go with, and I think he went with Americans. There was a jersey that kind of had, I don't know, this like striping like along the the chest and the shoulders with some stars on it that that maybe they might do. Yeah, I mean so that could be another option as well. Yeah, I, I was just looking at this. I mean, the the American jerseys back then. Uh, were literally they were just white jerseys in red it said american the collar was blue and then it just had some red stars like up on the shoulder and that was it like mm-hmm. they were very plain jerseys which you know at the time all the jerseys were pretty plain back then so you could do something with that but i i don't know it, it feels a little generic and you're going with the yeah, color scheme does. of like 50 other nhl teams 
Right. No, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, and and it seemed like certainly from the responses when I when I tweeted about this that totems was was absolutely the favorite mm-hmm. uh, among people. But uh, you know, of course, you you do you know have some some touchier issues there. I don't yeah. know if the team would want to address that because I know if they did, they would want to make sure to you yeah. know communicate with the relevant tribes to do it properly. Although you know, given given how the Kraken have have kind of stepped up to to handle things like that you know already i i think they're probably well equipped to do it this you're not going to see a you know a, a washington football team or you know chicago yes. blackhawks type insensitivity situation here i don't think the kraken would ever do something like that so um i think you know if any team's equipped to do it, it, it it's the kraken right. um but uh but you know there still are some issues you have to navigate there yeah but we've seen them already do that with you know the the warm-up jerseys and stuff you know what I mean? Bringing that's in, true. Bringing in artists and stuff from that to, to express the heritage and and everything. Like I think that there would definitely be avenues to do that. Like I I don't think like it's one of those things of if you put in some effort, I think you could you could get it done with all the the relevant people involved. You know what I mean? Like it's one right. of those. Like like generally when we've seen teams put in the effort uh, to do it responsibly and everything it's not an issue and so far all indications have been from the kraken in the past that they are they are very much willing to do that so um i mean otherwise i mean yeah i mean you can't go with the bombers probably <laughs> i know a, i was gonna say separate that's not... issue there <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and um you know i don't know iron man if you now get into you know what what marvel rights and everything i yeah. it just seems like that might cause even more trouble. I don't know. But yeah, I think it's probably limited to Americans and totems. Yeah, that that would be my guess too. And and if they're if they're gonna do the Americans, then you gotta I guess wear it when you play the Canadians. Oh yep. Yeah, that would make sense. Or or the Canucks. Which brings us full circle to the rivalry game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Team exactly. versus Team Canada. Yeah, so uh it'll be interesting to see what they go with. Um, excited for it. Excited that the Kraken are going to take part in this like league-wide mm-hmm. thing. I think that's important for the Kraken. I think that's important for their kind of um, league-wide recognition, so to speak. Because yes. like I've, I, you know, while I always enjoy hearing how great their jerseys are and stuff, just the fact that like at the draft, the whole Shane Wright falling to them thing felt very much like for a lot of these other fan bases particularly like up in montreal like oh yeah seattle's got a team now wow those are good looking jerseys it was like yeah we existed (laughs) last year you know i know we weren't great and that didn't help things but like pay attention to what we got going on we got maddie beneers like everybody's like well they drafted this beneers guy last year i was like oh my gosh you're in for some (laughs) trouble this year guys (laughs) yeah exactly and and if they you know, come up with a jersey that looks good, which I, I trust they can. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's something where the league takes notice. It's one of those, you know, events where everyone pays attention, like the draft. And yeah. that's one thing I love about the reverse retro series, too, is that every team gets one. And so you get all this league-wide focus. I remember one of the very first things I did for the ECH website was doing a review of all 31, yep. at the time, reverse retro jerseys uh, and, and kind of ranking them all. And it's just something that a lot of people in, in the hockey world did. Did, and to have the crack and be part of that now is just awesome right that's that brings up a good um thing what was the vegas golden knights first retro jersey it's the red one right with the it's the red one yeah that yeah. was the red one yeah so and i think that one looks great yeah it looks good i i hate the fact that it's another red jersey i know i i agree <laughs> i i'm i'm with you on that like i don't need another red jersey but um, in isolation, I think so. I think it looks great, especially Robin Leonard, like with his setup and everything yes. with that jersey with the pads and everything. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. But was that based on anything like historically significant for them? I don't think it. Was. Yeah. I, wasn't it was um, it? one of the old? Was it was it the Aces or something? Um, I know it was based on. Let's see. Because that's the, that's the only thing that would also be a thing is like I, I do want it to reference Seattle and and Seattle's hockey history because there is so much hockey history in Seattle um, that so many people aren't aware of uh, in other markets. And so that's why it's, you know, it's important to me anyway. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think it should be important to everyone here. There's a lot yeah. of hockey history and you, you, yeah, if you're Seattle, you have to reference that. Yeah. So, um, all right. That's, that's, that. as we, I uh, get ready to talk about the summer vacay stuff for all the Kraken members. See if you can find it. How's it going? 
<laughs> yep. All right, summer vacation. All I right. mean, so nothing. There, on the there was so thing. much going on. Huh? Nothing on the Vegas thing. I'm trying to find it because I thought yeah. I mentioned it in that article. I found that old article I did, and I'm scrolling through and just trying to find where I even ranked this Vegas jersey. Trying to see if any anti-Vegas bias made into this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> see it. I don't right. see it on here. Maybe it wasn't reverse retro. I feel like it was though. Yeah, I mean, I just Google Vegas Golden Knights reverse retro, and the red yeah. jersey pops up, so it's got to be it. Um, All right, let us know in the comments, everyone. Yeah, I mean, here's the NHL like article about it. Uh, oh, it's the Thunder, the Wranglers who played in Vegas from 03 to 14. Stripings inspired by the Thunder, whose V for Vegas body stripes grace the strip from 93 to 99. The year 95 appears in the back to commemorate the Thunder's best season. Okay. So there, there, was, there was history involved. But it doesn't, but there wasn't, the logo itself wasn't history. Oh, no, yeah, that's just It the was just the yeah. colors and the style of the jersey. So that's where I was getting thrown because I was like, nothing used that logo. Like, <laughs> um, know, you're right on that. Yeah, so I would, you know, I guess it's possible that the Kraken do something like that. They just use a third, a, a, they either create a new logo or use the anchor logo or something, and then just yeah, I could see the anchor logo potentially being used. Yeah, stylize it. So that is something to consider if they don't want to go, you know, straight up go with the totems or Americans or something. That would be that's certainly on the table. Uh, if past experiences to go by, okay, now here we go. Summer vacay stuff, fun stuff. So the Kraken put out this article on the websites on NHL.com, all that kind of stuff. And it's just a a summer check-in is what the headline is. From traveling all over the world to swimming with stingrays, the Kraken squad have been active this offseason. Let's check in on the boys. So most of this has just been um, all the, it seems like to me anyway, RJ, all the personal life stuff that you have to put on hold during the course of an 82 game season where you're traveling all over the place because like 75% of this article is people either getting engaged or getting married. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and how do you do that over the course of the regular season? You've got to just fit it in. And then when do you do your honeymoon? You just don't have that much time off. So certainly makes sense to do that in the summer. Yeah, exactly. So we already talked about Bjorkstrand earlier. Uh, The other two uh, recently hitched, uh, uh, Kraken members is Carson Soucy who got married and Alexander Wenberg who got married and so if you go to the article you can see they have like the Instagram posts that they post about it and so you can see all the all the fun wedding photos and everything I love the striking Carson Soucy one with the rainbow in the background in front of the cornfield it looks pretty good and then that's uh, a great photo yeah and then Wenberg they just look like they're having the time of their lives like, <laughs> like that's just a, a fun like you're just excited for that couple when you see that one so yep. And then also with the weddings, I've had a few false alarms, too, because I, you know, you follow the players on Instagram to, you know, keep up with what they're doing. And I've seen so many like, oh, he's getting married. Like, oh, no, he's just attending a, a, a wedding, wedding for another yeah. NHL teammate. Yeah. A lot of that, too. There's there's definitely a lot of that. And then we'll, we'll go ahead and cover the uh, the engagements, those being uh, Ryan Donato just a couple days ago. So congratulations mm-hmm. to them and Carson Kuhlman as well. So that's fun. Uh, them getting engaged, and then the 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 more relevant stuff and questions we can ask uh, about ourselves, RJ, here as we as we okay, you know, have to make everything about ourselves, um, is the the more vacationy aspects of it, because if you if you're already married in an NHL player or you're not that involved with someone, vacation this is your only time to leave the facilities, get away from your coaches yelling at you all the time, all that kind of stuff. You basically have like a one month block late July to early August where you can do anything that you want to do uh, as opposed to being <laughs> committed to something uh, as part of the job. And so we got to see some of the fun stuff that those players did traveling the world is usually what it what it goes down with. Grubauer was like all over the place, it feels like. They really highlight his time in Greece here as part of this one. But as we mentioned, I mean, they got a new goalie coach and boy, he was back here real quick. Yep. No, absolutely. And then it of course was uh, at Seafair the other day. Yeah. With um, Drieger. Yeah. With Drieger. Um, yeah, no, he has been everywhere this off season, racking up those, uh, those frequent flyer points. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is looking fantastic. This man's style is impeccable. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I've just, just look at this picture. I, yeah. <laughs> it's uh 
he, he's he's rocking it yeah he knows how to pose he knows he knows how to dress it's it's awesome um, yeah the pose too he's kind of just looking away yep, yep. knows exactly what to do it, exactly uh donskoy and his family have been traveling around uh obviously some stuff in his dated finland that we i don't think we talked about like the jersey retirement no we didn't we haven't his. talked about that and that's uh yeah shame on us for not having talked about <laughs> that yet because that was awesome Jonas Donskoy uh made a donation to save a local skate park in his hometown uh and of course grateful as they were they raised his jersey to the rafters of the skate park and of course it was a Kraken jersey so awesome to see that Jonas Donskoy I mean we like, come on, he, he just saved a skate park in his hometown that's awesome yeah exactly so obviously getting to visit the family the you uh, the stuff in uh, Finland and stuff. And then here's a picture of uh, the, the three of them enjoying time in Italy. That's super fun and happy for them. It's a nice looking photo of everybody enjoying themselves. Happy for that. And then uh, Brandon Tanev swimming with the stingrays, rocking the, the slightly shorter hair. I know lots of people have talked about that already on the discord, but uh, to cut <laughs> his hair a little bit, it's more my length now. So thanks for copying me, Brandon. Uh, we'll see if we'll see if his hair ever looks dry this year. That's how we'll really know. Or if he fr- <laughs> kind of regularly forgets to condition it and then it frizzes out, which is why mine has been in a ponytail so much recently. The humidity. This, this whole thing high. was just your excuse to go into Brandon Tanev hair watch. Yeah. Talk about how it's your length now. Well, also, I'd like to mention just like, look at how amazing his shoulders look in this picture of him, like grabbing the stingray. Like those are sculpted shoulders. Those look good. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't ignore that. So it's also about talking about that. Um, so, that that's been fun for him. He's he's been having lots of fun traveling around. Uh, seems like the ocean is a big part of all of his travels. Like I think every picture I've seen of him so far this off season has been him in front of or in the water. Mm-hmm. So so I like that. Uh, definitely a man after my own heart. And then there's other stuff catching in with some of the the other guys. You got you know Coland working on his golf game stuff like that. Jamie Alexiak traveling. It looks like in Italy there. Um, some fun stuff. McCann attending a wedding. Probably one of those false yep. alarms that you had. Yeah. Uh, talk about when Matty Beneers was at the, the Mariners game throwing out that first pitch. They got that uh, the good photo of him looking. I don't know. I mean, I, every time I see him in like the photos that are like kind of stylized Beneers, I'm just like, yeah, that's a young Ron Francis. No, right? Just looks it just, like, you, you totally can see it so like easily. It. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's some fun stuff. You can all check it out on the article or follow them all on social media. I'm sure many of you guys already do. But it did beg the question, RJ. If you were an NHL player and you have this you know one month window to go travel, where would you travel to? And a lot of resources to kind of make the yeah, trip what yeah. you want. You've got the you've got the the means of kind of going and doing whatever it is that you'd want to do. So I, I just think that this is a this is a fun question we can have. Is uh, where where would you go? And I know I did give you a ton of time. I I, I texted you this like an hour before we started recording. <laughs> just about. So I, I haven't thought about it a ton. Um, I mean, kind of just drawing off you know places that I've been that I've enjoyed. I. Probably Italy would be a common one for me because, I mean, the food, Dylan. The food. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Even um, I could eat yeah. there. <laughs> I know. That's true. Yeah, get some get some pizza made. Yeah, we, it's something we could agree on, you know, yeah. take, take our summer vacation together. That'd be a good one. Um, you know, as, as far as, you know, places I haven't been, uh, you know, China, um, you know, China or India, you know, the two. And I know there's lots of places to go. You could, you know, spend mm-hmm. your whole lifetime and never, you know, see everything. But uh, th- th- those would be uh, probably on my list. How about you, Dylan? What do you think? Yeah, I was I was thinking about it because I didn't spend too much time thinking about it either because I wanted to kind of keep things things fair. I, I think it would be probably Japan for me. And, and, you know, we have very different traveling experiences. You've been for, you know, you've been lots of places. I've never left the country. So we're coming at this from like two different, two different standpoints. Um, I, I think I'd probably go Japan. I mentioned it already earlier, the Pokemon on my shelves around here. I'm also surrounded by like framed Japanese Pokemon cards and stuff that I've collected and stuff. So I, that, that one's an obvious one. I think that would be a lot of fun um, just because I like, you know, lots of aspects of the culture and, and everything. And then... I mean, it's, but it's also hard as someone who hasn't left the country, not to just be like Europe, you know, like, like mm-hmm. do the, do the quote unquote, like kind of generic Europe trip and see Germany, France, Italy, you know, England, all that kind of stuff just because never been. But I think if, I don't know, I think I would probably, I narrowed it down to three and I don't know if this is the order, but it would be Japan, 
Scandinavia. Gotta go see all that fun stuff, especially because this is the time frame that we're working with, like blockwise, like we talked about. Probably not going southern hemisphere this time of year to go enjoy a winter somewhere. Um, so, so this would be the time of year to do the Scandinavia trip. I feel like as someone who was born and raised in California, uh, and then uh, <laughs> New Zealand, just because mm. I think that country is beautiful. I love the accent everyone has. Uh, everyone I've ever met from New Zealand, which has been surprisingly quite a few people have just been like the most amazing, happy people. Like, I just feel like that would be an incredible place to go and, and walk around and, and go do like all the like, you know, geeky, uh, not Morgan or, or Connor, but like, like, <laughs> say, like yeah. nerdy, uh, like Lord of the Rings stuff and go see where like they shot all that and see the landscape because I just think it's a beautiful looking country. I was going to say, that's been my experience with every Kiwi that I've met. Super nice person. And I, I kind of want to go visit to see, okay, like, what's in the water what is there yeah. that, that makes them all so great so uh that's a good answer i like that one yeah no no ireland see the see the land of your ancestors yeah i mean i, I thought about that but it's just like you know i don't know those other places just spoke to me more like i i, I had i i envisioned more things that i would actually like want to do you know what i mean like there's mm-hmm. there's the places i specifically would want to visit in a new zealand or a japan or scandinavia whereas with in ireland it would be just like i would get there and then it would be like okay what's up you know what i mean and yeah. you know me i am someone especially when traveling but really all the time i like to have a plan and i want to have a plan uh, you know yeah, in order no, it's, it's good things. so <laughs> so I, I that's that's ultimately what decided it um I, I think is those, but uh, I want to hear everybody else's. If you if you had the opportunity to take a vacation somewhere, uh, a la an NHL player during the off season, where would you go and why? Because I think we're going to get lots yep. of fun answers to that one. And where could you get the best Instagram photos for? Because really, that's also what it's about. Oh my god, you got to yes. post the Instagram photos. I, so got to take that into account. Yes, I was talking with somebody yesterday who went ice skating down here to the uh, the Kings ice thing in uh, El Segundo, the King's practice facility. And apparently what they do uh, like a once or twice a month now is it's basically just like four influencers and they put go-karts on the ice so that you can like go-kart on the ice and like take pictures. But like the go-karts move super slow. You can't really race anybody because it's like a small surface, but it's like clearly that's what who it's there for is just for like influencers who are all dressed up to do that. And I was just like, that's the most LA thing I've ever heard. <laughs> totally. Oh man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know that I'd lead with the, with the most Instagrammable place. I feel like just about anywhere you go in this world, you could probably find a good spot for a photo. And if you're someone like mm-hmm. Grubauer, it's going to be an amazing photo where you look like a professional model. Yeah. No matter where you are, you're just going to make that work, but got to take it into account just because, Hey, you never know who might talk about that Instagram photo on their podcast. That is true. That is true, as we just like kind of put them all on blast. But I feel like we were at least kind. They all take good photos. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Oh, and, and good good choices good, good, as good far as them. where to go. And I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. that's uh, That was the big exciting conclusion to this week's deep dive. I feel like we were able to make it a really good one. Uh, we had lots of news to talk about this week. I'm, I was really pumped for that. Uh, being this far yeah, in, in August. August, who knew? Yeah, exactly. So excited about that. I feel like there's some good stuff we could talk about with the community now. Uh, I'm sure we'll get lots of questions about that and, and other things now on Discord from people. Looking forward to that and in the comment section on YouTube. Um, but otherwise, with that, I think we're going to see you all next time. Bye.